Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends. Brought to you by DrRoto.com. Good evening. Welcome to Draft for Upside. I'm Brewery Mark. With me is Chris Emmerich. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to week two. Kind of a little bit of bounce back from week one, but uh, ready to kind of get into it. Yeah, week one was a typical week one. Not really sure who was going to do what. Um, a little bit we can go we can go over really quick. Uh, but before that, um, just let everybody know we're now part of the Dr. Roto uh, media network. And you can go to drroto.com for some premium content. And... <clears throat> All right. Chris, week one, uh, what were your hits? What were your misses? Um, I think the biggest read that I, I liked was uh, Russell Wilson at 5% ownership. Just seemed like it was way too low. Um, the game almost got away from Indianapolis, but they were able to kind of keep it close. And that, that kept Russ throwing a little bit. I mean, he was just super efficient, four touchdowns, and I think like 24 passes. Uh, very similar kind of game to Jameis Winston where, um, you know, the receivers didn't necessarily blow up unless they had multiple touchdowns. In which case it was, you know, Jawan Johnson on one hand and in the uh, Seattle game, it was Tyler Lockett. So thankfully I had him on a couple of lineups and that was able to carry me. Um, you know, there's there's no celebration in figuring out that the Kansas City Cleveland stack was a good way to go. I was actually more surprised by how relatively low owned it was. And I guess in retrospect, you know, it, it was an expensive stack, but week one was the time to do it. The value was there. And so I, I feel like that was a huge miss not having more of it. Yeah, I agree. And it was it was very hard to get there. Um, Kansas City was just uh, way too expensive. You know, I, I struggled to get uh, tight ends in. I ended up going with a lot of Tanyan, which uh, failed miserably. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, you know, my, my big misses were Tanyan and, uh, the Falcons in general. I thought Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan would have a decent week. I wasn't expecting like blow up spot, but they were cheap and it looked like a good matchup for him. And then one, my hit was Jalen Hurts. I actually played a lot of him, um, in a lot of lineups, which is the only reason I, uh, made back any of my money <laughs> on the week. Yeah, I mean, and that game started really good, too. I wasn't somebody that played any Ridley across just quite a few lineups, and that first drive just made me kind of second-guess myself. But uh, that was all that there was. And, and you know, that um, that that's an area for concern, at least that, that offensive line. But, you know, the, the thing about it is when it comes to uh, week one and week two especially, and especially any of these early weeks before we have a large data sample, um, I think people – misinterpret something is it's really i mean projections over the course of a season are pretty good i mean you're going to have your ups and downs you're going to have uh your hits and your misses but overall i mean the score for most people that do projections on a, on a professional level are pretty good but the thing is uh in singular game instances people are really bad at predicting what's going to happen um, and that's what, you know, separates seasonal DFL or seasonal fantasy football to daily fantasy football is just kind of that extra added layer of variance. 
And now you go into a situation where nobody really knew what was going to happen with some of these situations. And we were kind of guessing, you know, taking data from last year, sometimes different coaching teams or coaches taking, you know, the, the, the data from other teams and, and applying it to another one. Now what we have is an incredibly small sample of data that can be pretty noisy and people are going to run with it. And so it's going to be exciting to, you know, try and take advantage of that this coming week. Yep. All right. <clears throat> um, only last thing I'll say on week one is uh, my boy, Matt Stafford, uh, had a really good week, won me a little bit of money on Monday night. And uh, I did put a bet in several weeks ago that L.A. would make the Super Bowl. So he's one game closer. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you're there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the kind of the week two preview, way too early preview, because we don't have a lot of ownership out. We're not going to have any ownership out there. So it's going to be more of uh, looking at how players did in week one and see if we can and come up with some player predictions going into week two. So let me pull up the uh, odds here. Let's start with the Thursday night game and, uh, you know, look for a, a short little podcast from us um, tomorrow, too, on the Thursday night showdown. Um, right now we have Washington at uh, the Giants. Washington's favored by three. The over-under is 40 and a half. Initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this game is at home for Washington. I mean, that defense, while it you know, didn't necessarily look as dominant as you, you may have expected, it was the first game of the season. They were playing against uh, what we expect to be a, a semi-elite offense with Herbert coming back in his second season, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler healthy, and Mike Williams just looking really good. Uh, they were able to, you know, get a lot of QB pressures, and that's going to be something that I think New York's going to have a harder time handling. This game, you know, it does have the fact that Taylor Heineke is going to be manning the football team's uh, QB position, and I think that downgrades some of the the wide receivers. But uh, this still should be, from a real football perspective, a a Washington win. Yeah, I agree. The Giants look look terrible yet again in week one um even galladay couldn't bail out danny dimes who i don't know he can't throw anything out of dime anymore um yeah I, is there any players that you'd pick out here to really go to on washington's side with heineke in no, I mean, look, if you're playing this as part of like a Thursday through Sunday or Thursday through Monday, I, you know, I, I think it's a pretty easy fade on most of these players. The defense is certainly playable. Um, you could probably maybe make a justification for Logan Thomas, although I think that there there may be some other spots for it. But, you know, when we're talking on a, like a Thursday night slate, you know, showdown, and you actually have to play all the players from these two teams, um, I think Antonio Gibson's one place that I'm looking Um Demi Brown is uh, Demi Brown is is a guy that I think is going to have some attention. He played like I think 100% of the snaps um, in Week One, so you know those are those are some of the targets. And I think Logan Thomas too. Again, it's going to be tell the story. Um, Evan Ingram's out, so Sterling Shepard is going to have a ton of ownership, and, and rightfully so. It's just kind of putting the pieces together and where you think. But I don't, 
I just don't anticipate this being a really high scoring game. And so, you know, I'm probably going to play some kickers, maybe some Washington defense. Um, probably going to skip both the quarterbacks because they're both pretty expensive. And without this being a high scoring game where they're throwing a bunch of touchdowns or even running for them, I'm not sure that they're going to pay off their salary. And I'd rather just kind of uh, group it together with like kickers, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, stuff like that. Sure. All right. Uh, moving on to the next game. We have uh, New Orleans at Carolina. Can uh, Jameis repeat his performance in week two? Um, I don't think it's going to be that efficient, obviously. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, the, the game that he had was just one of those. It was a really weird game just in the sense that, it, like, he wasn't throwing the ball a lot. It's like every time that they kicked back to the game on red zone, I was like, how does he have 15 passes and three touchdowns? That just doesn't even make sense to me. Um <laughs> You know, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think we learned a ton um, about the Saints other than it looks like Winston has matured a little bit, but he didn't, he spread out the ball. He didn't focus on Callaway. He didn't focus on Harris, uh, didn't really focus on anybody. So, you know, where do you go to outside of Alvin Kamara on that side of the ball? Um, I, I even thought, fielded a question from somebody that was talking about Jawan Johnson and, you know, I hope people roster him. He's 3,600 as a wide receiver. Uh, he played 12 snaps. Yeah. You know, he caught two balls in the end zone and maybe he catches more balls in this game where he gets more targets or more snaps, but I don't think he's going to get two touchdowns. So um, I'm not sure. I think kind of the best play on this side of the ball would be Marquez Callaway outside of Alvin Kamara. And then on the other side, you know, I, it, I mean, it's easy. It's 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 Christian McCaffrey, despite the 9,900 price tag. Uh, the guy almost paid off something very similar to that 9,500 and didn't even get in the end zone. Didn't even get a 100-yard bonus uh, in receiving or rushing. So you, you can always kind of rely on, on Christian McCaffrey to give you some raw points, just whether or not he gets you over that hump in the ceiling. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, you know, keep it simple Go with your main players. Let's not get cute in this game. Uh, McCaffrey, maybe maybe Robbie Anderson, and then, you know, stick with Camaro. Yeah, I mean, for all the hype with Robbie Anderson, I, I guess my biggest concern is that DJ's, DJ Moore had three times the target share that he did. And so, you know, if you know, if it comes down to it, they're both about the same price. It's one of those situations I always talk about that I'd rather take the lower owned guy and just like way too early uh, ownership projections. I know you said we wouldn't have them, but I do. Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, both of them like next to nothing in terms of ownership. So um, I think you can play anybody in this game, but I, I don't think, uh, you know, we would be kidding ourselves if we said this is a game that we think most or a lot of people would be targeting. So We'll see. All right. So we move on to Chicago. We have uh, Cincinnati coming into uh, Chicago. We have a spread of two and a half and over under of 45. Um, Chicago is favored by two and a half. Um, Chicago, uh, I didn't think they looked very good. Uh, the Red Rocket, I don't know, kind of looked old to me, but um Cincinnati, I thought, looked decent, especially when you didn't know um, how they were going to be coming back from the injuries and, uh, you know, second year with this staff and quarterback. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the things that I, I guess is promising. And again, we, you know, there's no context to this. We've only seen them against one team, but that defense looked, I mean, they were putting at least some pressure on Kirk Cousins or, or a fair amount of it. I mean, they had three sacks, so I shouldn't say that they weren't, but, you know, is that a result of Kirk Cousins being immobile? Or is that, you know, a result of the, the Bears offensive line being subpar? What we do know is that in Andy Dalton is not very mobile himself. Right. Um, so, you know, this could be a spot where the Cincinnati defense is something that you, you kind of look at. This is going to be a low-scoring affair. It's in Chicago. I don't know what the weather is going to be like. Uh, quite frankly, don't care too much. Um, but this game... Is it going to be a defensive battle or is this going to be someplace that we want to target? I mean, this is a really like under the radar type of game, just like kind of Cincinnati, Minnesota was. But if we think that these two teams are of similar you know, quality, I think that those are the type of games that you want to attack because they just have that kind of shootout potential. You know, I talk about this a lot in League of Legends is I, I don't care if like one team is good and one team's bad. Those aren't the games that I want. I don't want blowouts. I want games where they're trading blows going back and forth, but you want it on an offensive standpoint. Um, and I, I, that's the question. Can Andy Dalton put up enough points that it forces Joe Burrow to put up enough points um, or are we just looking at like uh, Joe Mixon to have a positive game script in this in this type of situation? Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I'm not sure where to go with this. My initial thought is Cincinnati should um, win this game. I think they should win it handily, even though Chicago is favored. Um, Chicago's defense, I didn't think looked like anything special in Week One. Um, Sure. So, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to say that. I mean, if you're picking the Rams to go to the Super Bowl or, or at least that's true. It, that's true. Uh, so, you know, you would think that even a, a team that's even at the top of the heap, a non-playoff team, which I, I think we can agree maybe Chicago is. So, you know, at their peak, like, should they look good against the Rams? Maybe not. Right. That's true. Um, that is true. I will tell you kind of early ownership on this game. Uh, Joe Mixon, like notable players, Jamar Chase at 15%. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go throughout the week. That just seems crazy high to me at 5,000. Yeah. But um, I, it's worth a, a kind of a GPP dart, but it's probably not the first place. Joe Mixon at 15%. It's just right around that spot where, you know, I'm, I'm interested, um, but I'm not sold on it. I guess the two spots that I, I, I'm keeping my eye on, it's Allen Robinson coming off of an 11 target game, sub 5%. Tyler Boyd, um, also a guy that's sub 5% and is likely to be some type of security blanket for Joe Burrow. He's going to have games where, you know, he gets 10 or 12 targets. It's not going to happen all the time because they have just a ton of talent on that team and a ton of miles to feed. But, you know, that could be a spot that, that, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, especially at that ownership and at 4,700, the cheapest of the three wide receivers. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's move to Cleveland. So if Houston come into Cleveland, um, Cleveland is favored by 12 and a half. The over under is 48. Um, hey, both these teams put up points. Um, I think Cleveland looked really good, held their own against Kansas City. Um Houston, I think, is just kind of a question mark. It's it's how how bad is Jacksonville <laughs> is kind of what I took out of week one. 
Yeah, and I, I would think that Jacksonville's just really bad. I, you know, I don't have high hopes for this Texans team. I, you know, Tyrod Taylor is a uh, suitable quarterback in terms of what he can provide a football team, but I don't expect that type of offensive outpouring from him or Mark Ingram or this Texans team to happen. On the other side of the ball, this Cleveland team is is likely legit, and um, I would expect them to be able to do very similar things. It's just, again, how are they going to do it? Because they can do it on the ground, they can do it in the air, and in both of those cases, they have quite a few miles to feed themselves, very similar to their uh, you know, cross-state uh, brethren in the Bengals. You've got Jarvis Landry, you've got Anthony Schwartz, who's kind of uh, emerged as a as a viable fantasy option in the low 4,000s with OBJ ruled out already. And, um, of course, you have David Njoku. And then, you know, I would be remiss not to mention the problems that you have in the running back position. I'd love to play Nick Chubb here. That would be my favorite play, but he's – He's kind of expensive. I mean, 7,800. And you've got Kareem Hunt, who will come in at times and take away that second and third touchdown from, yeah. from Nick Chubb. Um, so if uh, Odell comes back in for this game, any... Uh... No, he's already ruled out. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything on the Houston side? No, I think you're you're going to find games where Cooks is is a viable option, and this may be that one, especially if Cleveland gets out ahead and the game script is that they're just going to throw the ball a lot. Cooks is going to be that primary target. Um, you know, had a big game, seven targets, five receptions, 132 yards. Uh, Nico Collins, uh, only three targets. Chris Conley, two targets. Uh, you know, like. Where, where else are you going to go? I, I know Danny Amendola. I actually don't have his numbers in front of me. Um, caught a couple balls. But, like, where are you going to go? Like, you just look at the talent on this team, and it, it's not one that's that's super exciting. So, Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move to Indianapolis. So we have the Rams coming in to uh, play the Colts. Uh what do we got here? LA is favored by three and a half over under is 47 and a half. Um, as I already mentioned from week one, uh, I'm excited for Matt Stafford to actually be with a good team <laughs> and uh, look, look pretty good against Chicago. It was there. Obviously it was the first week with uh, Stafford and uh, they were playing in the new stadium and they had their crowd there and everything. So it's a little more electric of a game. Um, now they're going on the road. Um, Indianapolis looked okay. Um, Carson Wentz looked okay. Uh, I don't know. What's your initial thoughts here? Well, a lot of the highest owned players um, in the early projection runs are going to come from this game, but they're all going to be on the Rams side. I think it's one of those um, instances where maybe you don't actually end up running it back. This is maybe, you know, if you're running like um, – just a QB wide receiver stack. You're not double stacking it. You're trying to find some good spots, other places you're correlating your lineups, you know, between other guys. And it's not the run back with the quarterback. That's what sometimes people uh, misinterpret when we talk about correlating lineups, it's not just that primary stack. And, and I mean, obviously that's going to have the highest upside, but you don't have to do it strictly that way. You can, you can 
do a double stack of wide receivers without the quarterback. Obviously, you're you're missing out on some upside, or you can do just two wide receivers. But in this game, I, I just have concerns about what can Indianapolis's offense do against this Rams defense, um, especially because we don't necessarily, I mean, I personally, and, and you can tell me if you feel differently, while I like some of the fantasy prospects for like Michael Pittman, Zach Pascal, and Paris Campbell, it's not because I think that they're super fantastic, talented, ultra great wide receivers. Part of it is just an opportunity situation and the fact that they're all dirt cheap and I can put them in my lineup and expect five to seven targets. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel too. Yeah. And so when you have this, you have a, 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 a Rams team that's going to get pressure on Carson Wentz, who doesn't deal with pressure very well. You're going to have Jalen Ramsey covering one of those guys. And let's just be honest, you know, Jalen Ramsey is one of the best cover corners in the NFL. He does go into the slot and whoever he's covering, he's not probably going to shadow any of these guys, uh, but they're all going to see that coverage and it's going to be problematic. Um, and so I have my concerns for Indianapolis here. On the other side of it, Matt Stafford should have his way very similar to Russell Wilson. He's not Russell Wilson, but he has similar arm talent to it. Um, you know, we're really going to kind of see what Matt Stafford is in a better team, in a better situation. Um, and he looked really good in week one, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do feel for him in some ways that he doesn't, you know, he goes, comes to this team. You think you have a running back and you have Daryl Henderson, who, by the way, is is slated. I have him as maybe the, I have him as the second highest owned guy in oh. the entire, in the entire no. state. That's way too high. Uh, 20%, but when you look at it, I mean, yeah, initially that's your feeling, but you've got a guy that's controlling that backfield. He's only 5,700, doesn't need a lot. You know, he needs a touchdown or a hundred yard gain to get you kind of to the floor of acceptability. And then anything beyond that is, is a bonus. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I have some interest in this game, but maybe it's just a more of a one off type of situation. Um, and, and when you look at like Tyler Higby, he's supposed to be super high on too. Robert mm-hmm. Woods kind of trailing behind Cooper cup at half the ownership at a lower price. I might be interested in something like that as kind of a one-off to be a little bit different. Yeah. I, I mean, I pretty much like everybody on, on the Rams. I think that ownership's, uh, pretty high on Henderson, but I mean, he's still playable in situations, but if I, if I have another running back, I'd like, I'm going to play the lower end guy, obviously. Um, on the indie side, um, yeah, this you, this might be a game you can't really truly stack with a run back. Um, Pittman should be okay. Should be. What's his price at? Do you have it up? Yeah, Pittman's price is so Pascal's forty four, Pittman's forty three, Campbell's thirty six. Yeah, so I, I'd be willing to go with Pittman at at that price just to save some salary. Um, but that's kind of the end of uh, anybody in Indianapolis. I don't. I don't see Jonathan Taylor really running on this defense. Although he can catch a, catch some passes, but you know they always bring Hines in on th- third down and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of leaning to LA players on this. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Now, uh, speak of the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. 
So the Denver Broncos come in and they are favored by six. Uh, over under is only 45 and a half. Um, my initial thoughts from week one is Jacksonville looked terrible. The coaching looked bad. And uh, I was surprised uh, how good Denver looked, although they, Judy's out for the season, right? Uh, no, for a good part of it, though. Yeah, but okay, so probably a six-week IR type of situation. I mean, um, it's, I think it's a high ankle sprain, so that is something that, you know, is going to linger throughout it. But remember, it's an 18-week season now, so. Yeah, yeah. Or 19 weeks. Yeah, I thought Teddy looked really good. Um, yeah, Melvin Gordon's Melvin Gordon. Not much else you can say there. Um, I don't know if I have a ton of interest in this game. Um, first reaction this early. Um, is there anybody that stands out to you? No, I mean, so here's my thoughts. I, I thought Jacksonville did look bad, but I thought Trevor Lawrence actually looked really good. He was really poised. Um, didn't get sacked despite being under pressure quite a bit. Was throwing good balls despite being under pressure. Um, so, you know, in certain situations, he's going to be very fantasy relevant. The question that you're going to almost have is, can the other side of the ball really get them ahead to force him to be in a situation where he's going to be throwing the ball quite a bit? And that's what happened last week. Um, the thing is, I wouldn't have pegged Houston as a team that could do that. So, you know, <laughs> at that point, this is like one of those really sneaky, you want to put in your crowns and you want to game stack this game because a lot of people aren't, but it certainly has that ability. Uh, you know, you go with Portland Sutton, you go with like Tim Patrick and uh, you got Trevor Lawrence with whether it's DJ Chark, Marvin Jones or Chenault. I don't really think it matters. The, the most important piece to me and the, the pieces that I like in this game is going to be James O'Shaughnessy. Um, I, I, he's just super cheap. He ran a ton of routes. And, uh, you know, sure, this could be a situation where it was just uh, an aberration. That's what the game was. But Guy had uh, eight targets, six receptions, 59 out of 74 snaps, uh, ran 42 routes, uh, and I think it was like 51 dropbacks. So, you know, I'm in, like, at a guy that's 2,700 mm-hmm. and is going to have next to no ownership. In fact, when we pull up James O'Shaughnessy, 1.2% ownership. In fact, like everybody from this game is like super low. But, you know, if you're one-offing, there's nothing better than one-offing a $2,700 uh, tight end. Because if he does get that touchdown, he's hits your like minimum, minimum, absolute, not going to kill you floor, uh, but a couple of more catches and some yards. And you, you can almost get to that like minimum that you want for a guy at that price. Yeah. And, and we've talked, we talked about this all last season. Outside of those top three tight ends, everybody's pretty much the same. It's, it's how you can fit them in and just maybe find a, a position that gives you a little more upside from the next guy. So yeah, 2,700 at tight end. I'm all about that. Yeah. And then, you know, the other side of the ball, don't be fooled. I think by Melvin Gordon's long touchdown run, he was untouched. And, you know, prior to that, he had 10 carries for 30 yards. Um, I talked to, you know, danger earlier. And he was talking about Melvin Gordon. I'm just like, well, why, why would you consider this? Yeah. I mean, look, Melvin Gordon could do it again. Sure. Anybody could bust out an 80 yard run. Um, 
But why wouldn't you take it a lower ownership and for $1,500 less than Javante Williams, who had just as many snaps as Melvin Gordon and, you know, was getting the same type of production, we believe is a more talented back and could possibly take over this role. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not interested in either of them, but if I'm going to play one or the other, I'm probably leaning towards Javante. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm not a Melvin Gordon fan at all. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think that one long run is going to trick people with the classic recency bias. And uh, yeah, we can move on from there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have this game projected as very high ownership. I mean, the, the only piece in this game that, that does look to have a, a fair amount is going to be Noah Fant. Uh, and understandably so. So, I mean, we can move on. I think I think most of these pieces are individually okay, whether it's Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, any of the trio of wide receivers from Jacksonville. They're kind of like salary savers, like last piece, the uncorrelated part of your lineup. All right. Sticking in the state of Florida, uh, the Buffalo Bills coming into Miami. Uh, the Bills are favored by three and a half. Over under is 47 and a half. Um, and, and so week one, this is kind of the tale of a couple of opposites. Uh, you had Miami looking pretty darn good against uh, New England, and Buffalo struggled against that Pittsburgh defense. Now, Pittsburgh has a very good defense, don't get me wrong, um, but um, it did seem to throw them off a little bit more than I expected. Uh, in week one. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even think Miami looked good, to be quite honest. I mean, they played a New England Patriots team that was bad last year, a New England Patriots team that has a rookie quarterback. They themselves do not have a, a terribly veteran quarterback, but, you know, Buffalo's defense is good. Uh, they looked decent. We, You know, you can put any questions that you have about Ben Roethlisberger in there, but I, I would tell you that there's just as many, if not more, questions about Tua. Um, I saw a, a wild stat today um, that his – and J.C. Jackson threw this out there. Basically, if his first read isn't there, um, he just throws it up. And you just can't do that. And mm -hmm. if you look at his efficiency, his completion rating, everything, if it's not his initial read, it's it's incredibly bad. Incredibly bad. So you're basically looking at a – a quarterback here that can't go through his progressions and opposing defenses know that right and they're calling it out to the media oh they're so, gonna find that out really fast um so that that's a problem that's that's a worry that i have i mean do i want to play will fuller absolutely because look i think will fuller's kind of like tyreek hill light that he's got that speed he can beat anybody and look, if he's the initial read, like, okay, cool. You know, like we're good there, right? right. Um, but it does give me pause about guys like Jusecki. It gives me kind of pause for like Waddle, who I liked last week, um, because are they going to design up these plays for these guys? Or is it going to be, you know, Will Fuller kind of uh, left out there to beat Tredavian White? And 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 if that's the case, like that's all I want. And, and I'm not even sure I want that. On the other side of things, yeah, is, you know, I talked about this 
briefly and, and a couple of different spots in the discord um, just in general chat that, you know, the Pittsburgh defense was good for a couple of reasons that this, this Buffalo team was projected to be a really like an offensive juggernaut, but we really only saw one season of Josh Allen being this, you know, super high efficiency monster that he was. And while we, you know, a lot of us think that, that he is, and I am one of those, maybe he isn't. And maybe you play into that. Um, and he certainly didn't look like it necessarily in week um, in week one. But, you know, Miami's defense isn't as good as Pittsburgh. And, you know, I think that this is a situation that as the season develops, you know, maybe he doesn't reach the heights that he did last year. I don't think a lot of people will just on the basis the crowds are back and things of that sort. But, you know, I don't think he's going to be as inefficient as he was you know 51 pass attempts 270 yards I, I think that he did not seem confident running um in some of the situations and i think that was more of a byproduct of the defense than it was like him not wanting to run so um i, I definitely have interest in buffalo stefan Diggs, and you know all parts of this offense yeah, I, I lean towards Buffalo here, too. I, I look for him to have a pretty good bounce-back game here. You know, the other thing I take in consideration, too, is um, is obviously not as bad as last year, but the pre preseason is shorter, training camps are shorter. Um, that was part of the deal to add the extra week onto the season. Um, and nobody's playing starters, really, you know, your superstars are not playing at all in the preseason now with, with only three games. So um, some of these games I just looked at as preseason games, and I and I think you could see certain players out of sync, and Buffalo was one of those that it just felt like the receivers and uh, Josh Allen were just a little bit off. Um, I don't know. It, that was just my feeling. I, so I kind of kind of think there'll be a bounce back here. A little little easier defense. They have another week um, to play with each other, get back in the sink. So I, you know, I'm looking at Beasley and uh, Diggs to bounce back this week. Yeah. And this Miami team, you know, they have, if you look back at last year, they were pretty good at defending the pass and limiting at least fantasy points to wide receivers, but they had a couple games um, where they gave up, you know, specifically to Buffalo, just, incredible amounts of points um so let's put it in perspective here i would say about 30 to 35 points is kind of a low bad number but anything above that is like a really bad number and they gave up uh more than 45 points on one two three let's call it four 44.7 four five six different occasions two of which were to buffalo three of those were over 66 points one was to the Rams, twice to the Buffalo Bills at 76 and 84 points. So that's that's kind of what I would bank on here is that you're getting like Stefan Diggs probably sub 10% ownership uh, against the Miami team that he has feasted on. I, I have Cole Beasley around the same ownership, but that's because he's 3,000 less. So um, I'm going to have a hard time not going to them. I'm not playing as many teams this week as i typically do and but i, I really I, you know this is probably not a primary target but i think it's kind of sneaky for those reasons all right um shit, we might even we we could even just bypass this next game <laughs> uh the patriots at the jets 
Uh, over under is only 42. You have New England favored by six. Uh, I don't know. I have no interest in this game whatsoever. Maybe a little bit of Damian Harris. Um, yeah, no, you know, I, I was. I'm, I'm going to change your mind on a bunch of this stuff because I actually like a lot. Good, of please change my mind because <laughs> on paper this game just looks terrible, and I want to. I don't want to see it on red zone. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> and, and that may be the case. But from a fantasy perspective, I think there are some bits and pieces here that are interesting. You kind of hit on the first one, which is Damian Harris, 5400. Um, guy got 23 carries, uh, 100 yards, and that was against that Miami Dolphins team. Now we're talking about a. Carolina Panthers team that he played, or not the Carolina Panthers, I'm sorry, this Miami team that he played last week, um, you know, just looking back at kind of like Miami and their their ability to defend the rush, they were super good last, last year. Now, some of that was probably enhanced by Ramad Stevenson um, going ahead and fumbling early in the game and not really getting another opportunity, but still, you take seven or eight of those away. And he's still in a good position, especially if for some reason he's able to score a touchdown. When you look at what Christian McCaffrey was able to do against this team, you know, not the best context uh, necessarily, but definitely something that I'm interested in. Damian Harris, 5,400. Super interested in just a little bit more on FanDuel where you don't have to worry about the PPR. Um, I think the biggest concern for Damian Harris is if if they fall behind. You know, if they fall behind, he's not going to have that same role. It's going to be more of a James White type of situation. But uh, do, do you see him falling behind? The Jets' offense didn't look good. You could play Corey Davis. He's going to see better coverage, but he, you know, has the talent to beat that coverage and is the undisputed number one there. So those are two pieces that I'm, you know, super interested in. And the other piece that just has some minor interest to me is going to be one uh, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, uh, nine targets, six receptions, 44 yards, uh, played 74 out of 75 snaps, and he's only uh, a meager 5,100. So seems to be kind of a security blanket here for uh, Mac Jones, was targeted a ton in the uh, the preseason, and he ran uh, like 39 routes, more than actually Nelson Aguilar. So those are kind of some of the pieces that I'm interested in. All right. Um, I, I do like Damian Harris in this and Corey Davis. I did have in a lot of lineups in week one. He, he paid, came through for me. So uh, I agree with those two. All right. What do we got next? The Eagles at the 49ers. Uh, 49ers favored by three and a half. Over under is 50, so Vegas is expecting uh, a high-scoring game. Uh, San Francisco started off looking really good, then they let the Lions back in um, to that game, which Lions had no business getting back into that game the way they were playing. Uh, Philadelphia, I really like Justin Hurts. I, I like this. I like Jaylen, the way Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Sorry, Jalen Hurts. I like the way um, the offense is evolving. Uh, Miles Sanders uh, looked fine. Uh, Dallas Goddard was the tight end I picked last week out of this game. And seemed like they're firing pretty good. What's your initial thoughts of this? 
Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games that I think you fire. Um, you, you take the points, you take the money line. I like the Eagles here at home. This is San Francisco, and I don't know what their travel schedule is. I might have to look into this. Um, if you want further analysis on these things, you can go to drroto.com and you can you know, sign up for one of the packages. You definitely want one that's going to have the DFS. I, I think it's like the second or third one up. Um, uh, you know, There is a seasonal long one, but the, the next step up, I don't have it off the top of my head, but hey, that gives you access to the members only Discord. It gets you access to um, you know, me and kind of the final thoughts and some additional information that you'll get closer to Sunday um, where we'll go into a couple of these things. But, you know, real briefly, uh, did San Francisco go to Detroit, go back to California and go to Philly? Did they stay out on the East Coast? I'm not really sure yet, Um, but let's assume that that they did travel because that's what I just think would happen. Um, That gives me pause for what kind of jet lag they have coming into this game. Yeah, they got out into a lead in Detroit. Great. Awesome. You should. Um, but they gave that lead up by, you know, doing, I don't know, whatever it was. You probably watched the whole game, but this is a Kyle Shanahan kind of MO, right? Uh, not being able to uh, protect that lead. Mm-hmm. I, I like Philly here. I thought they looked a lot better. Again, they played an Atlanta team that might not be really good. Uh, I do have concerns about kind of the workload that we're going to get with Miles Sanders. Can I pay that price for him? Probably not at 7000 I like him down at six, but he only played half the snaps, 15 carries. Uh, just a couple of receptions, lost a lot of work to Kenneth Gainwell, uh, who's fantastic start in your, in your season-long leagues if you need a flex spot or you have a really deep league. But my favorite part of this game is going to be Devontae Smith. I was not uh, a Devontae Smith guy, but he turned out to be that $3,000 uh, receiver. Now he's up at 5400 rightfully so. Eight targets, 62 snaps. Uh, play ran 29 routes, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Hertz threw the ball 30 times. Looking that up right now, 35 times. So 29 routes on 35 attempts. He was out there more than any of the other wide receivers. Seems to have some type of rapport with Hertz, and they're running plays directly for him. So I, I love playing Devontae Smith here. I love betting the Philadelphia side of things. And, you know, look. You just don't know with San Francisco outside of Debo Samuels. It looks like it's a or Demio, Debo Samuel. I don't know why I want to say Samuels, but <laughs> Debo Samuel. Um, outside of him, it's just a, a by committee everywhere else, except for you know George Kittle, who sometimes is just used as a blocking tight end. Yeah. So in season long, uh, uh, Mitchell was the uh, waiver wire darling this week. I don't, you know, I don't personally see it. Um, there's a reason they got, uh, was it Trey Sermon? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. And like you said, it's, it's Kyle Shanahan. It's a committee approach. I don't see where he's going to be featured. Yeah. The only reason he did so well in my mind is because Moser got hurt <laughs> and Detroit's terrible. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it is that he had an increased workload that he's not going to as they have multiple multiple backs back there. Um, so it's just guess if you want. I, I don't think that they win this game. Uh, I wonder if San Francisco is going to be really good. I, I just kind of question any of these teams that, you know, are bringing in their, you know, quarterback and waiting to run a couple sets, run a couple plays. 
you know, it looked like Garoppolo was, you know, super happy for him, and he can be, but like, God, that's just got to kind of wear on a team overall. Yeah, just it it breaks the flow in my mind. The whole, I, I mean, yeah, like I was disgusted when I lost the David Montgomery touchdown to Justin Fields coming in to run it in. Like, you're going to bring in yeah. your quarterback to do a designed run? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, when it was Taysom Hill, I guess, because you don't care, he's not really your quarterback of the future, but like, Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future. Trey Lance is your quarterback of the future. Like, why are you putting them out in these weird situations? Like, you can run them out in garbage time if you're ahead. Like, like you were up 30 points. You could have ran Trey Lance out there for, like, the fourth quarter at, at, at some point, right? Like, Right. It's, and it seems like these situations, you're just telegraphing it. Not that they were stopped, but... It just seems like I don't know. I would no. They both scored, so I mean, yeah. Maybe maybe it is a good play, but would they have not scored otherwise? Right. I think they score either either way. All right. Uh, the La- Las Vegas Raiders at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Pittsburgh favored by five and a half. Over under is forty seven. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I really, I don't really have anything on this game right now. This is one that I need to think longer on, and uh, do a little more research in how these guys played. I, I wasn't overly impressed with Vegas on uh, Monday night, um, and I didn't watch much of the pit pit game. Uh, what's your What's your initial thoughts? Um, so you can't open your Twitter without seeing somebody, you know, point out that Najee Harris played 100% of the snaps. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, 6,300, uh, Najee Harris is going to be the highest-owned player on Sunday. Um, and, I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's not like Vegas looked very good defending the run against uh, Baltimore. So, you know, I was certainly interested in it, but then I saw the ownership percent, you know, or did the ownership projections, and I was like, yeah, this, you know, obviously this guy's going to be the highest-owned, and everybody's talking about him. So that's an initial spot right there. Definitely a good cash play, but I think he has a huge bust rate in, in this situation still as a result because we just don't have a ton of data on him. My my two pieces that I'm interested outside of Darren Waller, who you can always be interested in, he's mm-hmm. almost into that Kelsey tier, but he's just not necessarily as consistent, would be uh, Juju. Um, I still think Juju's a good play. He's running out of the slot. That's a weak spot for Las Vegas. Whereas their outside corners are a little bit better. Juju still played 53 out of 58 snaps, saw eight targets. Just wasn't able to catch a ton of them. Um, but then, you know, ne- neither, neither, nobody was. So right. that's where I lean there. And I think you can always kind of play Derek Carr at this just like weird price that he's just going to always be, which is that like low five, like 5,000. Because you just see this from this guy. And this was something that, you know, you heard me talk about lots last year, but this guy five X is quite frequently. And, you know, he six and seven X is pretty frequently as well. I believe he was on three or four different Millie maker lineups last year. Maybe it was two, maybe I'm just over inflating that, but you know, dating back, I, I, let's just read off these games, 28 points, 25, 26, 28, 35, 2, 4, 22, 7, 15, 12, 20, 27, 24. So pretty safe floor. 
I think I rostered them on all of those single digit games. Uh, one of them was a, a high wind situation, but nevertheless, you know, you, you can probably play him. You can stack him with Waller or you can just play him by himself because some of those wide receivers just have a hard time getting open. Yeah. All right. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit here. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Minnesota at the Cardinals. Uh, over under is 50 and a half. So I think that's the highest one we've seen so far. We have Arizona favored at three and a half. Um, Kyler looked good. Um, cousins looked like cousins. That's <laughs> kind of how I roll with this one. Um, your, your thoughts? Yeah. So ownership on this, uh, on the initial run was pretty low. Um, and, you know, we're going to get to a game that's kind of driving everything down. But DeAndre Hopkins sub 15%, Dalvin Cook sub 15%. Uh, both of those guys should always be in consideration. Mm-hmm. The one thing, and I'll give you one here, Justin Jefferson, sub 5%. Oh, damn. I mean, that's super interesting. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that we really didn't see this Arizona defense, um, you know, have much problem with Tennessee, but I think part of it was just a byproduct the way that game started. Um, so, you know, is, is this – game going to be different quite possibly i I'm, I'm interested in all parts of this minnesota offense but you know what else i'm interested in the arizona defense on the other side of things not in the same lineup of course but they got a ton of pressure i think it was like six sacks on ryan Tannehill. and i don't know is it arizona's defense is really good and that that defensive line with the addition of jj watt is something that we need to pay attention to very well could be mm-hmm. was it Tennessee's offensive line was bad. It could have been. Guess what? Minnesota's defensive or offensive line did not look very good um, in their own right. So, I I mean, I'm probably going to be firing up some Arizona defense, and um, I I don't see that as a a very popular one play right now in the league. So, Yeah, given those ownerships, it makes me me more interested in this game. Absolutely. I like the over-under on this, and I – I kind of agree with your assessment. We don't know if it's Arizona's defense or a bad offensive line, but Minnesota's offensive line isn't that great. And I I don't know. Cousins doesn't necessarily do well under pressure. So we'll see. Yeah. And the weird thing for me is that KJ Osborne, one of the most popular waiver wire uh, pickups for this week is, you know, almost no ownership at 3,300 guy got nine targets, you know, look, Cincinnati was able to get out ahead of Minnesota. You're telling me that Arizona is not going to be able to do the same thing in, you know, a, a majority of games. And if he is, you're, you're trying to tell me that KJ Osborne is not going to have a similar role. Uh, he's not going to get the same amount of targets. I, I, I just, I don't think that's the case. Like, I think that he gets a ton of targets. He's probably one of my favorite sub 3,500 plays. And, um, you know, you could probably double stack him with Justin Jefferson uh, Kirk Cousins and run it back with DeAndre Hopkins, run it back with Christian Kirk, run it back with Rondell Moore. Um, that, that's that's a play right here. Uh, Rondell Moore with the Arizona defense mm-hmm. is a run back situation because Rondell Moore is one of the very few wide receivers that actually gets targets, that actually returns kicks and punt returns. Um, you know, you got Devin Duvernay, you can play him in single game situations, right? You can't play him in a regular week. 
Rondell Moore, you can. Guy had a couple targets on um, Sunday. In fact, it was five targets. One was in the end zone, just went past it. So what if he runs one back? You get that double touchdown, feels super good. Yeah. So. All right. Um, boy, I don't know about this game either. We have um, Atlanta heading into Tampa Bay. Well, they have the over-under at 52. They have Tampa favored by 12 and a half. That part does not shock me. Um, 52 seems high. I guess they're thinking Atlanta's going to bounce back here. Um, I, I don't know. Atlanta did not look in sync at all. Yeah, but you think about a 12-point favorite, that means that they have Tampa implied at 32 and Atlanta just implied at 20. Um, you know, these are still professional teams. They, they are going to score some points. They said that they're going to prioritize trying to get the ball a little bit more uh, into Russell Gage and Kyle Pitts' hands early. Um, they did run a fair amount of a fair amount of routes, just didn't get the targets and just didn't have the protection. So that is the worry that you have: is is Matt Ryan going to be able to be protected in these situations? Um, it's not that I'm overly impressed with the um, the pass defense from Tampa. Obviously, it wasn't very good on, in opening night. Um, so, yeah, Calvin Ridley, all those guys are interesting. Have no interest in Mike Mike Davis, none. Um, guy had a ton of opportunities, but he is who I thought he was, and he's just not a guy that is that explosive. And against an elite rush defense like Tampa, I think he's going to struggle. On the other side of the ball, I think that you can go to just about anybody, and you got to pick the right ones. I still lean towards Godwin. I lean towards Antonio Brown. Those are probably my two favorite plays from Tampa. Yeah, I would agree with that. Is Antonio Brown still the uh, cheapest of the three? Um, when we look at them, they're all about 6,000. So Chris Godwin, 66, Mike Evans, 61, Antonio Brown, 6,000. Really does make Mike Evans pretty interesting at that 61. Yeah. People so they brought, they brought AB up to match the other ones this week. Yeah, and ownership in this game, just to give you an idea, probably like Chris Godwin around 10%, Mike Evans around 6 and then uh, Antonio Brown still like sub 2 3%. So, you know, it, all of those guys, they're, they're interesting, man. And especially if they can get out and get ahead, and then this turns into like garbage time Atlanta game where they actually are able to, you know, get some garbage points where they, they weren't last week. Okay, now we're moving on to uh, the high-scoring games for the week. We're going to start out with uh, the Titans heading into Seattle. Over-under is 54. We have Seattle favored by 5.5. Um, I thought Russell looked like Russell. He looked he looked good. Um, Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore got into it, into the game. Uh, Lockett had the better of it. That's what we've seen in the past. And... Um, can Tennessee bounce back here? Yeah, you said DJ Moore. He had a great game, but I know you meant DK Lockett. Uh, difficult. Yeah, yeah sorry. For the, sorry. D, yeah. the DM, you know, yeah. I, I get it. Too many initials. Um, Too many initials. <laughs> Too many. Uh, yeah, so Chris Carson's coming in as one of the highest owned uh, players on the slate at around about 20%. Makes sense. It looked like that they were pretty dedicated to running the ball with him, and he was. Um, he was pretty efficient in doing so at 6,100. It's, it's a super nice price tag. 
Uh, yeah, Tyler Lockett around 6%, DK Metcalf around 3%. I like both of those as Tennessee had uh, some problems defending the pass. On the other side of things, Derrick Henry looked kind of bad. I mean, he's 6%. Uh, you know, he, he kind of, I mean, that's an attractive ownership for Derrick Henry. Like, was it just a bad game? Cause he's had those. We're just all expecting him to be washed because, you know, uh, some, some carry numbers that we put out there and those numbers will be true until somebody makes them not true. And it could be Derrick Henry and he could have a great week too. Super sneaky, low owned, uh, play AJ Brown coming in at 13%. Whereas you see Julio Jones, 600 less, like 3%. How many, targets, how many targets did Julio get? Uh, pull it up. Julio, six targets. Um, you know, versus AJ Brown, eight targets, similar snap counts. Yeah. Similar routes run. I mean, I'm interested in Julio. Julio at that just price and ownership. You know, he ran nine less routes. He ran 26 routes. That's fine. That's kind of what we expected. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Let's do it. So that's kind of where I'm at on that game. I, I think there's every one of these pieces is interesting because most people are not looking at this game. They're looking at the next game. Kind of, this is a sneaky stack. I I mean, I'm glad you saved it for last because I wanted to tell you, I think this is a sneaky game stack. I don't think anybody's going to be on. Which game? We got three more games. Which game? Oh, I thought we we got three more. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about like the Sunday night and the Monday? I'm just talking about Sunday, man. The Sunday main slate. I'm talking about Dallas. We can do that. Yeah, Dallas and the Chargers, man. Cowboys at the Chargers. Nobody is going to be on it. 55 and a half is the over under. We have the Chargers favored by three and a half. I thought Dak looked great coming back from injury. Uh, Maybe it was just the excitement of football starting, but I thought he looked really good. I was, I was impressed with the Dallas offense. They kind of sputtered at the end, which is kind of signature Kellen Moore. Hopefully he'll uh, correct that this week. Um, the Chargers, I thought, actually looked uh, looked good for traveling across the country. Usually that's a team that does not play well on the East Coast. Um, and they went up against a tough Washington football team defense and came out on top. So I I don't know. I love this game. I, I am going to play players on both sides. <laughs> yeah, I think this game is one of those situations where you just don't overthink it. Um, you know, last year there were quite a few games where I didn't play the Dallas Cowboys stacks. I just didn't think that it was going to wasn't going to happen again, right? Like this is just not going to happen again, and it's not going to happen again. But it happened for five weeks, and it happened going into this week. So, like you almost can't avoid this game. I do like playing both sides of it. Like you could play Dak, you could play Herbert. I think they're both in great positions. Um, you know, the the highest owned players on either side. No surprise. Keenan Allen, I think he's in a fantastic position. He's going to get the weakest of the secondary, playing most of his routes out of the slot. Uh, C.D. Lamb at 6,400, also playing most of his routes out of the slot, we think, with Michael Gallup out. It's going to be higher on than Amari Cooper, which is crazy. They're similar price. I'd rather play Amari Cooper given that. 
I do want to kind of fade Mike Williams despite a big blow-up uh, game where he just kind of had that ceiling potential, showed what Mike Williams can do. Um, he's going to get some tougher assignments this week, and I think he's going to have a, a lot higher ownership than what I'm even projecting him right now, which is, I don't know, there's something wrong here. So uh, I may even share that one. But a couple other things, you know, Austin Ackler is going to have some ownership, but it I don't know. I would I would venture to guess that the initial runs are a little bit high. Um, he didn't get involved in the passing game. I don't expect that to continue. I think he'll get involved and, you know, have a role. The, the player that I'm most interested in, and it's not Cedric Wilson at 3,000. People are going to be on Cedric Wilson. Um, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, right now I have pegged at uh, about 16 to 17% ownership. That could fluctuate and go down a little bit. I, I, I'm actually probably going to adjust it down to like 12, 13%. Just because I don't see people talking about it. I see people say, don't overreact to week one, blah, 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 and all that good stuff. But like Zeke's super cheap. He's at 6,200. Yeah. Coming off a game against one of the you know strongest rush defenses we have in the NFL. And this is a guy that can is still going to, carry the ball somewhere between 15 to 20 times. We can't really look at last year and hold it against them, can we? This offense was terrible. They'd mailed it in. Dak was out. It didn't matter. You got Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, all these other guys in the in the backfield uh, handing you the ball. But now you got Dak. You're opening it up. If you can get out to a lead against the Chargers, I think you could have a huge Ezekiel Elliott game, especially because – I'm not thinking that Dak's going to scramble and try and run it in when they're, you know, really close to the end zone as much as they did. And you're going to see more Ezekiel Elliott action. Yeah, I I agree. Especially if Zeke's at 6,200, that's probably the cheapest you're you're going to see him this season. Um, there's a good chance that he blows up and goes right back up into the elite pricing slots. Um, I did think that Dak looked good. Um, any Any love for the... Dallas tight ends like Schultz seemed to get a lot of targets last week. Um, yeah, that's the way you want to go. Schultz is just the better. Um, he's going to be in there more frequently because he's the better pass blocking. So um, he, he had more opportunities as a result of that. Six targets. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, there's no problem. I'm not crazy about it. Like I said, I have some better and more interesting tight end positions but i i don't hate that if you want a piece of this game and you want it like or an extra piece of this game and you want to be a little different uh, i i still think that that zeke is one of my favorite parts and i think that you can do a stack like justin herbert with keenan allen and ezekiel elliott and you can take two of those more chalky pieces from this game combine it with a piece that you, I, I just don't think is going to I don't think that you're going to get that piece. You're not going to see that stack frequently. And because you don't see that stack frequently, it can end up with some really unique roster construction. Or you could have a similar roster construction where somebody would pit like a, a Najee Harris or something like that because there's very similar in price, but you're going to get better production quite possibly out of Zeke because to your point, last year he was never this cheap except for one game that he didn't play against San Francisco he was always more expensive, even in a worse offense. And in those first five weeks, uh, or those first those first games where he was with um, Dak, I mean, the guy four, three, almost 4X'd every single time. I mean, 23, 17, 21, 23. These are the, the type of production that we're looking for. Scored a ton of touchdowns and just fell off the map. 
Yep. So I Zeke is by far and above my favorite play uh, for week two. All right. And with that, we are out of time. All right. So that's going to do it for our coverage of the main slate, uh, as well as the you know Thursday night game. If you want a complete breakdown and, and premium tools, please go over to drroto.com. You're going to find cheat sheets, uh, a lot of different statistical references that you can look at from um, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, air yards, targets, optimal game stacks, plus a member only discord where you can bounce some start sit questions off of experts like Jason Braddock, myself, Mark, Johnny Danger, and of course, Dr. Roto himself. And then there's also the pre DFS show with myself. That's from like 11 to 12 o'clock on game day. We're going to go over all of the favorite plays as they developed with the latest news, with the latest ownership projections. Plus you get my GPP article. It talks about all the different chalk contrarian and ways to pivot and, and all that good stuff. It gave you amazing plays like Russell Wilson last week, and I'm sure it's going to bring you some better ones this week. All right. Uh, for Chris Emmerich, I'm Mark Larson. We are draft for upside. Visit us at drroto.com. Have a good night. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drroto.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.